Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Episode 172 of The Morning After. I am your host, Sari Kamen. And I am your other host, Leslie Stockton. Today in the studio, we have pastry chef and food writer, David Leibovitz. But first... Yes! Food news. <laughs> food news, of course! And I feel like, David, <laughs> the food news this week was, was crafted by the food gods, especially for you, because... They knew you were coming. Or I'm something. waiting with bated breath. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so the first the first article states what is officially officially America's favorite casual dining restaurant. It's it's big news. I was wondering if you maybe had a guess of what that might be. <sighs> the hot dog counter at Costco. That is a really <laughs> really good guess. But not everyone has a Costco card. Okay. This is something that's you know everyone can go to. That hot dog counter is solid, though. That is a good guess. <laughs> they I'm don't not... have sauerkraut. Oh, oh, fuck them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually the Cheesecake Factory was voted. I don't know what the Whoa. I don't know like what the sur- like the most official survey of all time. I didn't think Americans had the uh, um, the attention span to get through that whole menu. That's a really good point. I am an American, so I lump myself into that. There are there are 250 menu options. That's insane. So I feel like that's actually kind of fair that that would be everybody's favorite restaurant. Because like with 250 <laughs> options, there's literally really something for everybody. You really can't go wrong. But are yeah. there pictures on the menu of everything? Oh, I haven't been. For the non-readers okay. out there. Do they? I don't. I, why are you looking at me? I, have, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a cheesecake factory. I went to a cheesecake. I went to a cheesecake factory in Vegas sixteen years ago, and I do not remember the menu. So, yeah. Have you been to a cheesecake factory? Either? I haven't. I mean, you're you're really into pastry, I hear. So, yeah. Uh, I actually just like plain cheesecake, so I'm probably not their target audience. Yes. Um, number number four. No number. Yeah, number four is one of my favorite restaurants. Red Lobster. Oh, I've never been. What? You've never had the cheddar biscuits? We are we were not a Red Lobster family. That doesn't mean you can't go. There's I, one in Times Square, baby. <laughs> you and me, girl. It's girl day. Girl day. <laughs> girl day. And of course Olive Garden is number seven because I don't know, because it's all you can eat breadsticks. Salad and that's enough and for America. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um I don't know if you guys heard, but Budweiser apparently is is changing the name of their beer to America. I, is that are they trolling us? Budweiser, yeah, most likely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like you and me specifically. Yes, <laughs> the two of us. Why? I mean, probably, but like, why do you ask? Are they trolling us with this calling beer America? I mean, why are they doing this? Because they knew David was coming. Wait, oh. Are they changing all their beer or just introducing a new one? That's a really good question. I okay. actually don't know, I, but maybe you could Snapchat them. They okay. keep just, saying, just so you guys know, yeah. right on. before the show, David Leibovitz taught me about Snapchat. I just want to say that that actually happened. Yay, Snapchat. Yeah, and this is not Snapchat, so this is going to be on record forever. <laughs> okay, so the king of beers announced it would be 
changing the name on its label, so maybe all of them, to simply read America. So now you can actually imbibe America, which is what we all wanted. But like to kind of retaliate slash poke fun at that, there's another domestic beer company. See, that wasn't even the story. Another <laughs> domestic beer company called Sagatuk Brewery in Douglas, Michigan, is is calling its beer Murica. Oh, no, of course they are. Like apostrophe mm-hmm. and M-U-R-I-C. I think we had a president once who used that word yes. a couple times. I vaguely remember that, but also I blocked it. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, and then and then this is actually my favorite story. This is no longer about America, but I hope you won't mind, David. Um, this story is just the title is Finland is now home to the first ever Burger King spa. You're like okay. what? Yeah, <laughs> there's a joke okay. in there. I can't. It's think not. Of. I mean, but that is that is the joke is is real. Do you eat the Burger King before the Schwitz or after the? Okay, Schwitz? during. Okay, so it's an no. actual no, no, man. yes. So it's an actual Burger King in Helsinki in Japan. I'm really disappointed that you didn't come up with this first. Seriously, seriously. Okay, so and, and Finland is the the sauna capital of the world. Just there's to, there are more saunas than than people. Really? In Finland. Yeah, there's that's like true? one point something saunas for every man, woman, and child in Finland. Okay, so that's super weird. So <laughs> yeah, there is a Burger King. An actual Burger King has like attached to it a 15-person sauna. There's a shower. There's a locker room. There's a media lounge. There's a PlayStation. So you can sit and schwitz. And while you schwitz, you can order a burger. And then... Eat the burger. No. Yeah. That sounds awful. It sounds like the worst ever. Well, maybe I, the joke in there is hold the pickle. Is yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it in my mind. I don't yeah. know if I could say it on the air, so I'm not gonna... You can actually say anything on the air here. So um yep. That's that's the that's joke. It. The joke that's is the story. The story is the I joke. They are one and the same. Yep. I have no I have no further comments. I love it. I okay. love it. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back with David Levovitz. <laughs> Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. David Leibovitz is an American pastry chef and a food writer living in Paris. He is the author of My Sweet Life in Paris, My Paris Kitchen, and many, many other delicious cookbooks. 
He is my absolute go-to authority on all things delicious and Parisian. Welcome to the show, David Leibovitz. Hi there. Welcome. Bonjour. So happy to be here. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ça, Ça va? va? Oui. Bien, merci. <laughs> that was French for those of you who didn't know. <laughs> We're not smoking. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> but there is wine. <laughs> yes, always. Um, well, you're here in Brooklyn for a little bit, and I believe you mentioned it's because you're working on a new book. I am. I'm working with my editor, who's in New York City. Cool. So, can you tell I'm us here. anything about the book, or is that like hush hush? I have been sworn to secrecy. I signed a confidentiality agreement. Oh, my oh. goodness. That's my story, and I'm sticking An to it. NDA on your own book. <laughs> okay, well, that kills my first well, question. Yep, moving that's on. fine. <laughs> well, it's really nice to meet you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> so you live in, and write about food in Paris. Uh, and my question for you is, first, how many years have you been in Paris? Uh, I moved there around 2003, 2004. Okay. So I can't um, read the stamp. It's on my passport. It's mm-hmm. all faded now. So. Got it. Uh, so <laughs> when you you were you were brought up at Chez Panisse, you were there for thirteen years. Well, I was brought up by my mother. Professor Alice Waters. But Alice Waters is my she's second. She's everybody's mother. I don't know if she wants me to hear her, her referring to her as my mother, but um, I learned yeah. to cook um, a lot of. Yeah. I became a. What's the right word? I'm still a stuck on the Burger King story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I learned a lot about cooking, and I learned. Um, a I grew as a cook at Chez Panisse. With so, Alice. with with that uh, with that found, with that foundation and moving to Paris, uh, how did that how um, how did how did how did you evolve uh, living and writing about food in Paris from that? Well, one thing about France, I mean, Chez Panisse is in Northern California, and the climate's very similar to France. The ingredients, goat cheese, thyme, you know, red wine, garlic, that the temperament, the climate is very French. And Chez Panisse, of course, is very influenced by French country food, Italian country food. So moving to Paris was sort of a horizontal move. Um, that wasn't really a jolt. It wasn't like, wow, I'm going to move to Hong Kong or, you know, I'm going to move to Northern Canada. Or to the Canada. Midwest, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a little closer. <laughs> yeah, but like culture shock. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> so, Paris, you know, Paris is still a culture shock, believe me. Yeah. Um, but it was a, that kind of movie. It was just seemed natural. Um, it was a place for me to go. I had gone to baking and pastry school there as well and chocolate school. So I was familiar with France and French culture and French food, of course. Um, I didn't speak any French, and I didn't really know anybody. So on the other hand, I kind of did something really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of turned out really well. Well, I took a chance. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, speaking of, like, the seasonality of Chez Panisse and that mm-hmm. kind of food, um, I think you wrote about, I think it was in my Paris kitchen, correct me if I'm wrong, um, how like Parisians sort of watched Californians and Americans jump on this whole like organic trend and like CSAs and farmers markets and have kind of followed suit possibly. But like in my mind, it was like, well, Parisians have or Europeans have always been doing that. Like they get up, they go to the market. And I was sort of like, it felt like there was like a discrepancy or like a misconception on our part of how actually Parisians eat. Well, it was you know, the whole idea of cooking with the seasons, cooking at the market, cooking, eating things that are local and regional is an old idea. It's an old idea from America as well. That's what our grandparents, that's how our grandparents ate. And that's how Europeans eat. That's how French people ate. Um, but as times changed, you know, Americans 
started eating fast food, junky food. Um, you know, they started eating at restaurants that have 250 cheesecakes on the menu, <laughs> yeah. for example. Um, and then we sort of wanted to get back to our roots in the 80s, 90s, and now we're much more focused on food, on quality, and ingredients, and producers. Whereas the French culture, they always had that. They didn't really make a big deal about it because it was just a natural part of their culture. You know, you would you know, you'd eat something with oranges in the winter when oranges were available. You'd eat something in the summer, you would start eating strawberries and cherries and so forth and apricots. That changed, of course, as modernization took over in France and the rest of Europe, and people started getting produce from all over the world, and they lost that seasonality. They lost, you know, they started doing what Americans did, going to fast food restaurants, drinking McDo. soda. Yeah, McDo. And, you know, McDonald's is their most prosperous uh, country. France is the most pro uh, uh, prosperous country for mm -hmm. McDonald's in the world. So it's pretty, you know, the, the difference was pretty uh, profound. And just recently they started seeing Americans, you know, they started copying ideas that are coming out of Brooklyn. It's very trendy. Mm. But, yes. you know, that's sort of what they did. That's, they taught us that, and now we're sort of... They're getting their cues from us now about that. And it's kind of interesting. That is interesting. So uh, when you tell your Parisian friends that you're going to spend four months in, in Brooklyn writing a book. They're so um, jealous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do they want you to bring Brooklyn things back for them? No, but the, the idea, you know, the, a lot of it's the idea. It's like moving to France for Americans. A lot of Americans go, I really want to move to France. I was there for a week. I live like a local in a hotel, you know, in an apartment. I was like, okay. Living like a local is go, you know, go change your cable provider, you know, go to the bank and, you know, <laughs> go to the city hall or something and try to get an official paper. That's living like a local. So people in France, they think, oh, living in New York is amazing. It's a great experience, the energy. And it is, you know, Paris is great. New York is great. But it's, it's different visiting. So they see Brooklyn as being, wow, it's all these different people in Williamsburg and there's like, you know, they're all walking around on brick stones and they don't see like South Brooklyn is, you know, kind of edgy and different. Bay Ridge, Mill Basin and, yeah. you know, Brooklyn. It's just yeah. like the grass is always the, greener. Yeah, I the guess. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn is pretty. But also, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn offers the them what they don't yeah, have. You right. know, Brooklyn's a very rich ethnic mix that have come here to America to somehow coexist in the space. And that doesn't really exist in France. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. so when you're in Paris, so this is like a two-part question. So when you're in Paris, mm -hmm. what do you miss most about Brooklyn? And then when you're in Brooklyn, vice versa. And then also, like, maybe tell us, like, the food thing, too. Uh, well, when I'm not in America, I miss customer service because mm -hmm. it's so easy to get stuff done here, to get stuff delivered, to return something at the store, to go shopping. I mean, everything's available, um, which is great. Um, one thing I do miss is the food shopping in France. Um, it's so easy for me. I live near a really good market, and everybody knows me, so I can get all my meat, cheese, vegetables, and so forth very easily. I just walk out the door, and down my street, there's two different butchers. Actually, there's three. There's five bakeries. and um, So I miss that culture of just walking out the door and getting things. Is there is there any food product like from the states that you just are like that's the first thing I'm going to eat like the second I get to the states? Uh, well, it used to be burritos because I'm from San Francisco, but now I have a thing for pepperoni pizza, um, and the, I never really thought about it until a French person said to me, "Oh, I love New York that pepperoni," and he was telling me how it curls up in the yeah, edges yeah. and get, I was like, uh, oh. and the, and "So the now oil it's all I crave." In the yeah. middle. Pepperoni pizza is my favorite pizza. Mm -hmm. Hands down. We'll get one. At, that's what we'll get afterwards. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> okay. So, um, if you're, say you're on a deadline or say you're working on something and, and you for need, example. For, for example, right, right now, <laughs> right now, um, what do you do when you need to be inspired when you need that hit of that hit from the muse? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. You know, in Paris, I go, I walk, I go out. Um, if I want to, I'm inspired by a lot of things that I see on the street there, you know, walking around, going to a pastry shop, going to eat chocolate, um, and a lot of funny things happen in France. You know, like, people say, me, you should write more about America. I'm like, things happen here that aren't really that funny. For- <laughs> I mean, we're funny, nice people, but it's not like, oh, that's kind of absurd. Do you have um, an example of a funny thing that'll happen? Uh, in Paris? Yes. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, it's okay. Let me, let me circle back to that. Okay, perfect. I'm, yeah. <laughs> So you would just take a walk, pop in a Actually, I have a funny story. Yes. I had to prove I was an author recently for something. They were needed proof. So I thought I'd bring some books to show them. I said, well, here's my books with my name on They go, that's not proof. I'm, like, uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I, know, that's what I, I was like, sorry? And they said, no, it's not proof. We need proof. And, it, you know, because it's France, they like paperwork. So I need like a piece of paper with the information on it with like a stamp on it. I'm like... From your publisher? Yeah. I was like, what's my name? On letter. Here's my name. This is (laughs) my name. Oh my God, this is proof. That is hilarious. I love how often you write about paperwork. Like, it's clearly (laughs) the main of your existence. Well, you know, it's something French people are used to, and they don't like it either. You know, people say, oh, you Americans come here and complain about paperwork and so forth. I'm like, well, if you want to hear somebody complain about it, talk to French people. Yeah. Um, You know, but they're just part of, it's part of their culture, and they're used to it, where we're not so much, yeah. Yeah, no, I I can't think of. Hearing you talk about Paris makes New Orleans make so much more sense to me. <laughs> well, I had to return something to Bed Bath and Beyond. I didn't have the receipt, and my partner came with me. I'm like, it's Bed Bath and Beyond. You know, they'll take anything back. And yeah. he's like, no, you, we need to find the receipt. And he's like, going through the garbage. I'm like, it's okay. It's Bed Bath. <laughs> and they actually don't want the story. They I know. don't want to talk about they it. They don't even want the receipt. It's like more paperwork. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they here's don't a new want one. that paperwork. Like, yeah. <laughs> So you're an American, obviously. You spend a lot mm-hmm. of time in Brooklyn. You live your life in Paris. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like a struggle? Like you have identities kind of firmly rooted in two different places? Or do you feel just very Parisian at this point? No, I mean, I don't spend that much time in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I do come here occasionally because um, my publisher's here. I, I go to San Francisco, which is sort of my... I consider that my home in America, so to speak. Um but it's funny because when I'm coming to America, I'm really excited. And then when it's time to go, I'm excited to go home, mm-hmm. back to Paris. So, so it's know, more we, like a positive than anything else. Yeah, it takes a couple of days of readjusting to wherever you go, which is hard. Um, yeah. Someday I'm going to get my own private plane. I think that'll make it easier. Yeah, <laughs> oh, probably. That would be wonderful. Um, so I, I know you love to work with chocolate. Mm. You love chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, you but, went to chocolate school. Yeah, you went to I, chocolate is anyone else school. still thinking, like, wait, well, there's chocolate school? By the school? way, do you do anything elaborate with chocolate? I don't. You know, at Chez Panisse, 
we didn't really do a lot of chocolate desserts. It was mostly fruit desserts and things like that. It was more seasonal and so forth. So when I left, I started working with chocolate. I actually went to Belgium, went to chocolate school, um, and learned how to you know dip chocolate, make chocolate sculptures. I'm not good at it, you know, but it's a, that's a real skill. But it's not something you do at home. You know, a lot of it requires machinery and so forth. So while it was fun to learn all those things, it's hard to say to someone here, here's how to dip your own chocolates. First, you have to make the ganache, and you have to leave it on the counter overnight. You know, da, da, da. people are looking at me like, you know, I'm nuts. Yeah. So you would not do chocolate work at home. When you are at home and you are cooking in, in your kitchen, I love to ask this question of other people because every, every cook has that, those one, that one or the two tasks in the kitchen that they just cannot bring themselves to get excited to do. What you know, my least favorite thing, <laughs> my least favorite thing, and I'm so cheap, um, is to cut circles of parchment paper to fit into the bottom of like a nine inch cake pan. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to put the thing, the paper on the counter, you have to draw a circle, you have to get the scissors out, cut it, and then it starts curling up and you got to put it in. <laughs> and I know you can buy them already cut and they're like 10 for $5 or something. Too much. I know. I'm like, Too I'm much. not spending, I'm at the store, I'm at, you know, at the cookware store. I'm like, I'm not spending $10, $5. Then I'm sitting there snipping out, and the thing is like curling up, and it's falling on the floor, <laughs> and the roll is going. Across. So that's my. Uh, that's the thing that's I your hate biggest, to do. Do you have a favorite thing. cookware store? Um, I don't. You know, I certain stores I like for certain, like Sur La Table in America seems to have more um, sort of cookware, bakeware, um, more. Um, they have more quantity, more things to choose from, whereas Williams-Sonoma has a more edited selection. Um, in Brooklyn, you have the Brooklyn Kitchen, which is amazing. You know, once again, it's a very curated selection. Um, but everything they have there is like, oh, my God, I've never seen these kind of metal, yeah. this kind of, ca- they have this cast iron cookware that's like from this place in America. It's like I've been making it for 150 years. And it's amazing. It's it's beautiful. It's very expensive, but it's, it's all those things that like you didn't know you needed or wanted, but now well, you yeah, do. It's, it's great. And they have great foods that they find mm-hmm. from all over the place. The things you can't get other places. What about in Paris? Where do you go? Uh, it kind of depends. I actually go to flea markets and thrift stores. Once again, I'm a cheapskate, but we, <laughs> we take road trips a lot. My partner has a station wagon, which is dangerous. But there's all these thrift stores in France you can go to and flea markets in the countryside where people get rid of, like, their old Le Creuset pan. You know, it would be like a big stock pot that's been used, like, four times that was in Grandma's attic, and it's, like, five euros. (gasps) I I want to go there and do that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually did a whole blog post about um, how to find all those places with addresses. Oh, my God. And, like, in the countryside, we've gone to these places, and they're, like, warehouse, like, the size of, like, a high school gym. And it's all cookware, like just in shelves, organized. I'm like, oh my god! That yeah. beautiful <laughs> copper pot on the cover of uh, yes uh, of my my my, my Paris, Paris kitchen. kitchen. Um, is that yours? Yes, and that oh, everyone's beautiful. like, where'd you get that pot? And this is kind of funny. Um, there's a store; it's a chain of hypermarkets called Auchan in France, and it's kind of similar to Target or we had Walmart. an Auchan in Houston. Right, they yeah. tried to open in the states. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, it, but I'm sure they had different things. But I was there once, and they had all this copper cookware, and everything was 17 euros a piece. And it was heavy cookware; it wasn't like crappy copper, you know, thin stuff. It was made in France. 
And so I bought, you know, every piece I could manage to carry home, and that was one of those pans. And people are like, where'd you get that pan? It's so beautiful. It's copper. It's <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. It's like the perfect size for a brace. Yeah. The only problem is you can't put it in the dishwasher. No. So. I don't but it works put, yeah. well. You put, you put your cookware in the dishwasher? You're a big mm-hmm. fan? Mm-hmm. I love the dishwasher. I'm a big fan of dishwashers. I write, about, <laughs> I write a lot about cookware, so I could totally go off on a cookware geeky moment right now, but okay. I will save you both. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> David, what, in your opinion, is the best food city right now, like in the world? Well, that you've been to it. I there's a few. It's hard to say what's best because each city is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, San Francisco is great because the quality of ingredients. You know, you go to the rest, you go to the market, and there's like twelve kinds of lemons, and yeah, it's, and then you go to the restaurants, and they're all using them, which is amazing. Even mm-hmm. the taquerias have like sustainable beef from a local. Blah blah blah. Um, Vancouver is a great city. Uh, I've had I was there on book tour a year or so ago, and the food was amazing. The Asian food everywhere I ate was like knock it out of the ballpark, exceptional. Yeah, you said you have a, a blog post about that. Yes, I think I do. Um, <laughs> that's the problem. You put things on Instagram and so forth, and they're gone. You know, they're gone after a few weeks, and people go, "Well, there was a restaurant that you ate at in Vancouver that had like talk, like Japanese talk." I'm like, "Okay, I don't remember." <laughs> But it's hard to put things on a blog because you have to take pictures and bring yeah. your camera to the restaurant and everyone's staring at you and then they get all nervous and then you have to write everything down and you can't make a typo. Uh, <laughs> so it's just easier to Snapchat or to Instagram these things, but it doesn't stick around. Another great food city that I love is Tel Aviv. Yeah. Um, I had, there's this whole, you know, t- Israel's kind of like a microcosm of America in a lot of ways. It's a lot of immigrants, a lot of people coming together. And there's also that drive to make everything better. Like, we're here at Roberta's. It's like, how can we make really good pizza? It's not like, how can we make a lot of pizza? It's like, what can we do to make our own nuja? What can we do to make our own um, Italian-style pizza? And in Israel, like, the freshness of ingredients is amazing. It's pretty unparalleled, yeah, yeah from what I've tasted over there. Uh, we have a couple questions from, from the outside, wow. from, from the ether. That, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, Are they they about Snapchat? Because I don't really know how to use it. (laughs) (laughs) I almost put a picture of myself in my underwear by accident. Um, I was baking (laughs) at home and I was was not wearing trousers. And then I noticed something at the bottom of the picture that was like, oh, that's... (laughs) So I was like, glad I didn't press the button. (laughs) Yeah, no, the only questions from Snapchat today came from me. So Um, no more. So (laughs) these are from the ether. So what's, what's your favorite cookie in the world? I actually like chocolate chip cookies. I yep. love. I like oatmeal cookies, um, but I like chocolate chip cookies. I like a really good, soft, super chocolatey, like melting chips, little salty taste, pecans, yeah. or some sort of nut. Is there a specific place where this this cookie or lives? a That's recipe, your a specific recipe? I, you know, I love my recipe, and I know that sounds terrible to say that, no. but um, you should love your recipe. Yeah, it's your I, recipe. It's yours. I was talking yeah. to a friend about writing cookbooks the other night. Who write, he writes cookbooks as well, and I was saying, well, you know, you have to love your subject and you live your book. And I've been making that recipe for about thirty uh, something years because yeah. I just. It works. It's great. It's a great recipe. So that's in my book, uh, Ready for Dessert. I've mm-hmm. been using that a lot. That's my favorite recipe. Can I just say one thing before you ask an, the, the next question? Your ice cream base is flawless. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I use it all the time. Awesome. Well, I loved writing the ice cream book. My, uh, I wrote uh, The Perfect Scoop. It was, it's and that was really book. fun to write. 
I love thinking about you churning ice cream like in yeah. your bathroom, in your bedroom. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if people get all weirded out, it's like, well, it's not like I put it in the toilet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you live in a tiny apartment. You're like, what? There's toffee on my sheets. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Could be worse, for sure. Uh, what is your favorite cheese and why? There's actually two cheeses that I really like. Uh, one is Conte, uh, which is pronounced with an N, but it's actually an M, Comte. And that's a mountain cheese made in France and the Alps. And you can get young cheese, which is about six months old or four years old, which is amazing. It's super nutty. Um, it's actually an amazing, delicious cheese. Um, and I love Brie de Meaux, which is a Brie cheese made near Paris, about an hour away. Um, but Brie de Meaux is a special kind of Brie. I mean, the word Brie doesn't mean anything. Brie is made in Wisconsin. It's made in Japan. It's made in mm-hmm. Israel, so Africa probably. Um, but Brie de Meaux... Is a special cheese. It's made with only milk from that region, and it's six weeks old. And when you have a really good one, it's you just want to die. Um, <laughs> I love happiness. My my partner's family has a has their country house near in that region. We go there and we go to the brie market, and it's just all these tables with these huge wheels of brie that are like melting, and you just that's heaven. They yeah. you know, they can barely pick it up to put it into the paper for you. And that's the best. And you can't describe the flavor. I was trying to describe the flavor of camembert to somebody. I said, well, it's kind of like your underwear after you took a step class. Oh, my God. they're like, okay, that's not making me want to. No. With a a little bit of animal hoof. Yeah, but (laughs) we're sort of attracted to funky flavors. Yeah. Yeah. But not necessarily phrased like that. Um, So Michael Harland Herkel, he's a a wonderful friend and radio host on this network. He asks... And I apologize in advance for probably butchering this. Where can you get Le Beurre Bordier in New York City? Oh, uh, you can't. Okay. That was Sorry, easy. Michael. Yeah. Sorry, Actually, Michael. though, the, people ask me about getting these things from France a lot. Um, and there's actually a, a website. It's called like PacMule or something. I don't know the quite the, like PacMule.it. And you can hook up with people that are going to places and they'll bring you stuff back. Whoa. So That's cool. You just blew my mind. <laughs> Which is kind of a good idea, and you can I I bring back idea. butter all the time, but you know you have really good so butter in America. Like we do. Um, yeah, you have really good butter, and people write to me and they go, "I can't get good bread in New York." I'm like, uh, "What? Hello, You're not trying very hard." Oh my goodness! I mean, there's bad bread. There's bad bread in France yeah. too, but you can get good butter in America. Yeah. Um, and then uh, mini at mini van dad. Okay. This is your friend. I'm assuming no. No, you don't know uh, Minnie Van Dad. <laughs> You're not tight with Minnie Van Dad. He like he tweeted and he was like, "Ask him about the Bobka." Oh, and I was like, like well, what oh. about it? So I'm assuming you know him and you know the Bobka, but no, I, uh, no, because I was like, "What about the Bobka?" And he was like, what? <laughs> "He was like, why isn't the dough dry at all? It can't be the honey syrup." That's what he said. Why isn't the dough dry? Yeah. Um, you know, that recipe is from uh, an Israeli couple in London who have a bakery and a restaurant called Honey & Co. Hmm. And I had met them a few years ago, and they made this spectacular meal for us in Ireland. And I wanted to make a recipe from their book, so I made it. I made that one for my blog because I liked them and I wanted to you know, introduce people to them. And that book is coming out in... In the U.S. pretty soon. The flour is different in Europe than it is in America. Mm. 
So they had sent some of the recipes to people in America to test, and I tested some too um, with French and American flour. So I think they're still working on it, but mine came out fine. And okay. I'm not sure. I mean, it, you know, it's a moist thing because it's got syrup. Yeah. What it, you know, for people who don't know what the babka is or babka, it's a yeast dough. You spread it with chocolate and nuts and brownie bits, and then you fold it up, roll it up, twist it, put it in a pan, bake it, and then you pour syrup over it when it comes out. So it's naturally moist. Right. Okay. Mini Van right. Dad, go forth. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to ask you, and I know this is like such a generic question, but I genuinely Uh-oh. want to know. My last meal ever. No. Yeah. No, yeah. really? No. No. <laughs> no like your, it's just you. like your last meal, but it's like, what is your like? No, really? I got meal? I know. I know. But like, I really want to know. Because usually the question is, why isn't there a print option on your blog? It's <laughs> 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 either that or it's like the last meal. I mean, it doesn't have to be your last meal, but it's like your ideal meal. It would be the fried chicken from Federal Donuts in Philadelphia. Oh, my God. That chicken's amazing. Did you have it with the Zatar? Uh Uh-huh. Hello. Yeah. It's amazing. And I had just eaten lunch, and we went there, and they were out of donuts, so we got chicken. I was like, I'm just going to have a bite. (laughs) And now I'm going to finish it. It's insane. It's really good. It's really good. That's my... Okay, cool. Yeah. Shout out to Salamanov. And then do you have like like a... guilty pleasure snack like not like your beautiful comp day or like is there something like kind of down and dirty that like maybe you don't want to tell us but you're gonna have to tell us um well i just had knee surgery so i had to spend like four months not walking so i ate a lot of peanut m&ms okay Um, but i don't know if those are down those are it's a pretty normal snack it's pretty normal it's not like you know spreading tang on toast or something yeah Uh, who does that i don't know i don't know okay (laughs) <laughs> don't so, do that. Yeah, don't, whoever really you are, don't, do don't that. put tang on toast, folks. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anthony Bourdain got like busted, or like he admitted that he loves the mac and cheese at Popeyes, and everyone was like, oh, "It's really good." Yeah. I disagree because the thing to get at Popeyes is the red beans and rice, but no, no hate, Wait, no hate. Although, don't eat the biscuit. Everyone's like, "Don't eat the biscuit." Why? Um, I probably I can't say it. <laughs> okay. No. no, no. People just said to me, "Don't eat like the biscuit will fill you up." And, okay. Oh, so, uh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then because you're like the ultimate authority on all things Parisian and delicious, we're going to we're going to conclude this segment with a speed round. OK. OK. Get ready. Rapid fire. Rapid okay. fire. Like the best of everything in Paris. OK. OK. And you're allowed to, you know, the think best? about it. Okay. You can pass if you need to as well. And you're allowed Is there to a button. I hit? You have a pass. Option. Yeah. And you're allowed to also say like more than one place and comment. <clears throat> OK. OK. There's really actually no rules at all. I know what you're going to ask. And what? It, it's like that. No. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask. Okay. He's an old I'm pro. so unprepared. Oh, right. Okay. So best, best place for cocktails <laughs> in Paris right now. Uh, I like Pas de Loup, L-O-U-P. Um, Amanda Boucher is an amazing bartender. She's this, actually, you know, she, I know this is sexist. She's a beautiful blonde woman and you just see her and she looks like this. She's a Minnesota girl. But she's like an awesome bartender, and she owns a bar, and or she's one of the owners, and she's a great cocktail maker. Cool. Where is that? It's right next to the Cirque d'Hiver um, in the 11th. Yep. And they have great food there, too. It's a great place to go and have bar snacks. so hip. Yeah. Um, but hip doesn't mean good. Yeah, um, exactly. And this is good. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, best Hip and good. Hip and good. Best wine bar, like favorite place to drink wine. There's a new one that I went to recently. Um, I can't remember the name. Um, we can circle back. Okay, it's a uh, the word has its swan in the title, and they do Vietnamese kind of snacks. Le Cervain? No. no. With um, wine? 
Yeah, it's a wine bar, and they have all natural wines. Um, but the snacks are really interesting because you don't get um, like Vietnamese kind of snack. You know, it's French food, but it's very close to Vietnamese as well. And I know it's on the Rue Keller, K E L L E R. Okay, that's enough for Google. We can Google that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's croissant. I like Blaise Sucre, which is over by the Marche de Ligue. Um, it's a pastry chef that decided to quit his fancy job at a big hotel and open a little neighborhood bakery. And it's been open about, I want to say, six or seven years. And he has really good croissants. Okay. Baguette? Mm, I, this is, you know, it's funny because in my neighborhood there's five bakeries and none of them had good baguettes and it was very challenging because um, I go through phases. Sometimes I just want to eat wheaty breads. I want sourdough or I want grainy breads. And when I started coming back to America a little more often, all I was craving when I got back to France was baguettes. And one of the, no matter what, no matter wherever I travel, wherever I go, when I come back to Paris, the first thing I do is like get a baguette and smear salted butter on it and just eat it untoasted, and it's really good. That good. Um, so I actually like, there's a bakery called Landeman. Um, L-A-N-D-E-M-A-I-N-E. And they have like two bakeries in um, Paris. If they had three, nobody would like it because it's a chain. Oh, c'est pas bon. You know, it's, <laughs> like, oh, it's not good, it's a chain. But I think they just have two, so it's okay. And they do three different kinds of baguettes. They do like the ordinary ones. They do ones um, with a little bit of, uh, I think, buckwheat flour in them. Ooh. And then they do just a country baguette, which is the one I like. So, yeah. And they're super nice. Okay. Uh, what about like best sort of like new modern French like of you know the new wave of restaurants cuisine oh, yeah. cuisine <laughs> sorry food um, um. there's two places that I really like and they don't really get a lot of press in um, the international press but Pirouette mm. which is over in Laal it's kind of set back it's always busy because um, people who know good food like it I mean everything there I've never had anything bad there um, and that's a really good restaurant. Um, another one that I like a lot is 52 Faubourg Saint-Denis, which is over in the super hip new 10th area. Um, but it's actually interesting because it's open from 8 a.m. to midnight, nonstop. They don't take reservations, so it gets very busy at like 8.30 or 9 p.m. Is it open every day? Yes. Wow, like on Mondays and yeah, Sundays? Yeah. Wow. wow. And you can okay. just, you know, so if you go, like French people, people are like, we want to eat with the French, we want to live like a local. I was like, well, then you have to eat at like 9.30 at night. Yeah. So I say go at like 8.40 or 7.45 and you can get a table. And the food's really good and the staff is super nice. Um, that's kind of a new thing that's happened in France with all these new young people chefs. being nice. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you know, it used to be the you know the crusty old waiter, which you know I don't begrudge. I think it's funny. Um, it's a different nice that they have. Yeah. Um, but these young people are super friendly and helpful, and they're actually interested in the food and the ingredients and what's happening. So they have really great waiters there. Great. And then and so does Pirouette. And maybe this doesn't apply at all, but like, is there an old school place, like a cl- just like a classic kind of like stalwart that you love? You know, it's funny because the old classic places, a lot of a lot of them, like you don't really go for the food; you go for the ambiance, mm-hmm. or just an um, upscale place that you like. Upscale? That's not my. <laughs> you can pass. <laughs> okay, I'll pass for now. All right. Okay, and then let's see. Oh, actually, coffee. well, the oh. upscale place. I actually ate recently. I ate twice this year at the ho- the Bristol Hotel, the restaurant Epicure. And normally, I'm not a huge fan of these meals that are four hours long. You know, it's very expensive. But I had two meals that were there that were incredible, 
and the desserts were great. I was usually, you know, desserts can be, you know, by the time you're done with dinner, it's like, Phew. and I had this chocolate dessert and it was super light. And the, under, the pastry chef understood what it was like to eat dessert yeah. after a meal like that. And he, I went to talk to him afterwards and he was so humble and normal. Cool. Um, so it's very expensive, you know, and I, it's not somewhere I go every day. Yeah. Uh, what about coffee? Is there a new, or is there a coffee shop that you love? Um, I actually like Cafe Oberkampf. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been this sort of coffee renaissance in Paris happening. All these young, hip people, you know, shaggy hair, beards, you know, stubble and so forth. Is that Brooklyn influence? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and all the places have like brick, you know, exposed bulbs. The guys are cute. Um, they're doing mm-hmm. these pour over coffees yeah. for like seven minutes, you know, for $8. <laughs> um, but Cafe Oberkampf has really good coffee. They're super sweet in there. It's tiny. Um, and I like their coffee a lot. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you ever eat crepes? I do. And where do you go when you do? Uh, there's a couple places. I really like a place called West Country Girl, which is owned by this young couple who are really sweet. Um, actually, she, the woman, the, his, it's a couple, and I don't know if they're married or not, but his girlfriend or his wife makes the crepes, and then he runs the dining room. And she loves cheesecake, and I was testing recipes, and I brought her, like, a half a cheesecake. You know, when you're testing recipes, you always give people something. You're like, here's a cake, and it's got, like, one slice taken. <laughs> so you feel kind of bad, though, you know, because it doesn't look so good. But, yeah. Wasn't like but don't I, feel that bad. Well, it wasn't like I yeah. clotted at it with my, you know, with my teeth or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really like going, and they have really good crepes there. Cool. Do you have any... I don't speed have round? any, uh, nothing for the speed round. Okay. You covered it all. <laughs> yeah, you did well. <laughs> I need a sedative. <laughs> then we'll take a well, quick break. Quick break. We'll relax, we'll decompress, and we'll be back with the morning after quiz. Tuesday, May 17th, please join Snacking Tunes for the 9th Annual Barbecue Blowout. Our inaugural chefs are Kings County Imperial with Beats and Rhythms by Domino Records. Tickets are $10 in advance at bbqblowoutmay2016.eventbrite.com. Tickets include a plate of food and a complimentary Brooklyn brewery. We're happy to announce returning partners of Nikki Digital and Heritage Radio Network. We hope to see you there. Welcome back to the morning after. We have David Leibovitz in the studio, and it is time for the morning after quiz. We usually call it hashtag the least important quiz of your life, but today it's hashtag the most vapid quiz of your life, (laughs) because David Leibovitz, you live and write and uh, work in Paris, France, but today I'm going to ask you what you know about Paris Hilton. Um, I know she has a lot of money. Um, <laughs> I know we haven't seen as much of her in the in the recent years. I know. As... If she honestly, if she knew that someone made a quiz about her and is 
broadcasting it on an internet radio station, I bet her heart would be a little warm by it. Her stone cold heart. Her stone cold heart because she hasn't been in tabloids in so long. No one well, cares. She was just with the Chinese artist in Paris. Um, I, f- I can't pronounce his name. You have the com- you have Google in front of you. I do. Um, Google. But she was with him in Paris, and he's like a political activist, and he's been he's had problems with his own government for what he does. Not I. I wait. Yes. Oh, that's who. That's who. Oh yeah. Done. Yeah. He was with her in Paris. Oh, weird. Oh. Not with her, but with her. Yeah, but maybe with her. Okay, I haven't had lunch yet. Okay, we haven't actually (laughs) asked any questions yet. Okay. Okay, so the first question is multiple choice. Oh, okay. Uh, Paris is a self-described animal lover, calling her pets, quote, her children. Which of these animals has not been a pet of Paris Hilton? A pig, sugar glider... Or a platypus. I don't know what the second one is, so I'm going to say I platypus. Don't She's never had a platypus. You're okay. right. <laughs> What's a sugar, sugar glider? glider? I think are those like like flying squirrels. Flying squirrels. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know. She's the had flying okay. squirrels. She actually went. To that was pet her pet. Store. Oh, she's she has like fifty pets. How does she have time for that? She's money and help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's why they're her children. Yeah. <laughs> the next question is true or false? Uh, when Paris hits the karaoke club, what's her go-to song? A, Don't Stop Believe... Oh, no, sorry. That's not true or false. This is another multiple-choice question. <laughs> sorry. Okay. When Paris hits the karaoke club, what is her, go- her go-to song? A, Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. B, Stars Are Blind by Paris Hilton. Or C, Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. I would imagine it's the first one. Yeah. Uh, why? The first one. Because um, it's a ballad, and she wouldn't do her own song. Uh, that's false. She does sing her own song at the karaoke club. You don't know her well enough. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> because that's the one that she can sing best, right? That's okay. the one she knows. And I'm really glad it's not Baby Got Back, because that's my song. <laughs> okay. This last... Because she doesn't have back. <laughs> I would take her down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor thing. Um, so this this next one is, uh, when I was reading about Paris Hilton yesterday, I realized that a lot of the things that come out of her mouth sound a lot like what you hear on RuPaul's Drag Race. So the next part of the quiz is called, Who Said It? Paris Hilton or a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> All right, so you just have to say Paris Hilton or, Ru- or RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you know um, what RuPaul's Drag yes. Race is? Okay. I love that show. If you can't hide it, just throw some glitter all over it. That would be RuPaul's Drag Race. You're right. Yeah. Um, that was easy. Yeah. I'm from San Francisco. Get a straw <laughs> and suck it up. That would be RuPaul's Drag Race. That's Paris Hilton. What? Oh! <laughs> she stole it. Uh, she must have. She might have, yeah. Um, I don't really think. I just walk. That'd be Paris Hilton. That's Paris Hilton. Because those drag queens are thinking. Yeah, they're thinking. They're thinking about everything. You don't mess with them. (laughs) Um, Emotions are for ugly people. That would probably be Paris Hilton. RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, Oh, no. Um, Okay. Here's another one that I read from from RuPaul's Drag Race that I have to say because it is amazing, but it was too obvious to put in the quiz. Impersonating Beyonce is not your destiny, child. Oh! <laughs> That'd be RuPaul's Drag Race. That was RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race. Yeah. So good. Okay, that's all I have. You really, you were a good sport. Uh, well, how did I score? You What got, did I win? Do I win a pizza? Two, <laughs> two out of three. <laughs> you got two out of three. Yeah. yeah. You, got, you got an 80%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
like a B plus. Yeah. All right, plus. so I've, you okay. you really you really know your RuPaul's Drag Race. So I'm gonna go down on my Wikipedia page whenever that happens. It's gonna say David Leibovitz is the world's Brooklyn's or Paris's most leading authority on Paris. Paris Hilton. Hilton. Paris and yeah. Paris typing it right now <laughs> yeah. on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Updating. Wow. Um, David Leibovitz, this was an absolute honor and pleasure. Please come back and visit us like every week. Any, sure, we'll any be. all the time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.